Have you been enjoying the adventures of our characters in Rumble Squad and Serviceable Plots? Or getting into the nitty-gritty rules for 5th edition? Support us on Patreon. By contributing as little as $1 a month, you'll get to hear exclusive content and updates before anyone else. Our higher-level patrons get access to DMs notes, outtakes from our episodes, and even a chance to add an item or NPC to a D&D Raw episode. Yes, you can hear our silly, out-of-character shenanigans, and even cause some of your own by influencing the story. Our producer-tier patrons listen to our audio before anyone else to give feedback and shape the final episode. We want to give a special thanks to our producer-tier patrons, Matt Fry and Johnny Torres, for serving as producers on this episode. We also want to thank our adventure-tier and above patrons for their support this month. So thank you, Feral Joe, Mosiru, Grimfuse, and a Linux fan. To join this list of outstanding people, go to patreon.com slash dndraw. By joining our patrons, you enable us to dedicate more time to creating episodes. And if you're not able to support D&D Raw on Patreon, we would love it if you leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you. Next week will be Serviceable Plots, Episode 27. Join us now for Serviceable Plots, Episode 26, The Harrowing Sword Dance. With me today are the following players. Hi, I'm Bethany, and I'll be playing Belinda Walsingham, the half-elf awakened mystic. Hi, I'm Adam, and I will be playing Akiva Khonshu, the Shadar Kai Hexblade Warlock. Hi, I'm Mike, and I'll be playing Scrib Whitecliffe, the human mastermind rogue. Hi, I'm Giuseppe, and I'll be playing Valen Blackwater, an Azimar monk paladin. Last time, while Valen meditated and Akiva practiced for his performance, Belinda and Scriv began research on various topics of interest to them, only to discover several books that were missing from the Erudite Sanctuary. Later, Akiva learned more about why his magic may be restricted in Orenthal, while Scriv used the Nabrasil network to varying degrees of success, making flyers for Akiva's performance, though failing to learn more about the artificer Isaac. After the second evening of research, Belinda met with a mysterious gnome, who used to work with her as he let slip a few details of Belinda's past, while promising to make it seem like the tiefling fanatic of the Whispered Ones, Faithfulness, was still out and moving about in the world. We pick back up with the party as Scriv goes to help Akiva prepare for his performance. So you're handing out flyers, Scriv? Yep, handing out flyers. Oh, that's pretty extrovert. Good for you. Akiva. Akiva, help me hand out flyers. I'll go help hand out flyers with Scriv, and uh, also kind of brief him on the part of the, uh, performance that I would need assistance with. Okay, I can help with that. Belinda, is there anything else you're doing this day? I'll do what I said and go to the Wizard Academy and try to check in on the missing volumes there. Roll Persuasion. Yeah, I'm gonna name drop Nomoa. 17. They let you in, but they keep someone with you. Roll Investigation. 26. You don't find any of the books here either. You do notice, like, a couple of names seems to have checked out the books. Oh, I write those down. They're not names I recognize, I assume. They are not names you recognize. Then I will notate those down, thank my chaperone for their time, and uh, go to check in with, I guess, everybody else for the evening. Okay. And then during the evening, I'll kind of just do a couple practices. Essentially rehearsals. Sounds good. So, day four is Akiva's performance. Is there anything else you guys want to be doing? I'll go back to the Temple of Adar since I don't have anything else to do, particularly in the morning, and chat with Catherine, check in on Ellen, 
see how she's doing. She's looking much healthier and much better. And overall, she's she says, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Like, she's super appreciative. Don't think necessary, but glad you're doing well. I don't talk at all about anything that happened with her. Just about how are you? You got plans for the future? You stay in here? That sort of thing. It's also very brief. I don't do chit chat very long. Oh, I know. So, Akiva, you already had an area in the Ankalab Heights district that they had kind of talked about performing in. Are you still doing that or are you going somewhere else? I was going to go with that plan. And I'll start off just exclaiming, Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, come and see dances from around the world. I wanted to be here for this. You can... Yes. You can all be here we're, for this. Yeah, that's fine. We're all in the crowd. Okay, that's fine. Can that's I fine. be just in the crowd, piping them up, cheering? Being a supportive dad. You also hear three tiefling women trying to talk it up, too. You do recognize one of them. Ooh. Oh, she came with her friends. The other two look similar in, in appearance. You might assume some sort of family. She brought her siblings. <laughs> Before the show started, I would like to use the, thank you, Bethany, the cloak of many fashions. Uh, I would have liked to have attuned to that prior to the night before. And I will actually make it, since my whole attire is bird-like, almost like a cloak of feathers. Yep, you can do that. It'll do that. Yeah, it looks like a cloak of feathers. Okay. In the crowd, I'm like, I've never thought about the cloak of feathers. I literally just changed the color of the cloak. So you got a lot of people that are just going about their day, kind of stop and start to approach. They're looking around like, okay, all right, what's, what's going on? Some people were already here. It seems like they definitely saw flyers. Thank you, Scriv. Okay, to start off with, I will cast Major Image to create a halfling, center stage. I would like the halfling to appear pretty ornate, very like cleanly dressed, almost like ball attire, like male halfling ball attire. We will stand there initially, and I will actually like to cast Minor Illusion. So I would like to make a just basic drum beat And then once it begins, I would like to have the halfling perform what is essentially almost like an Irish tap dance. So major image is concentration, minor illusion I should still be able to cast because it's not concentration. I just have to keep recasting it, which is why I'm over on the side. Yep. But luckily major image actually allows noises to accompany it, so the actual tapping should happen. Okay. Roll me a performance check. So I saw you got a 27 performance, Akiva. It is a... Fantastic performance. He is tap dancing. It is just captivating. Belinda, looking around, you see like the tiefling women are just nodding like, yeah, I don't know. That's that's impressive. And then if possible, mid-dance, I would like to change the tempo the next time I have to cast Minor Illusion of the drums and for the halfling to briefly go off stage and immediately recast Major Image for another halfling, but halfling female that is doing a Russian folk dance. Okay. You can do that. That's no problem. You have the halfling step off stage and seems to go around a corner and reappear a second later, just as the music changes and is now a halfling woman. Yes. Tony, quick question from the crowd. We've been pretty upfront that this is where we're going to be and our names are out there. So if anyone was looking for us, they'd probably find us. I would like to be on alert to see if there's any familiar faces or sinister faces in the crowd. (laughs) Roll perception. 16 in my perception check. Looking about the crowd, you do catch Salvador, who's watching the performance, looks through the crowd and notices you, gives like a quizzical look, and just shrugs and goes look back at the performance. Can I also look for someone while I'm helping Akiva? 
You can roll a perception check. 20. I'll get to, to your script in a bit. So go ahead and roll another performance check, Akiva, for this new dance. 20. The first dance was definitely a lot smoother. The transition might have, you know, been a little, like, slightly off. Barely, like, Scriv, you might be one of the only people to notice it. But comes back out and you see, again, a fantastic dance and performance. And that is the end of the first act. So the dance will end. The illusion will go away. I will take a bow. There are coins that are starting to get tossed upon stage. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Akiva Kanchu. I have traveled far and wide to exotic lands. I have been to other realms. I've been many a place. As you've just witnessed, those were two dances that I had the very honored privilege of witnessing before, and I wanted to replicate for you all here tonight. And this next and final dance was so captivating, I wanted to learn it myself. This dance I had learned in a far-off realm whose name is obscured I present to you the the harrowing sword dance and then I will about well, my kobesh and I will begin to perform a sword stance go ahead and one roll performance but also like what how are you just like twirling the blade or like how are you performing this dance the blade is a lot of twirls a couple of juggles okay you're also going to roll an acrobatics for me so one performance one acrobatics okay one performance. 15. One acrobatics. I saw that's an 8 on acrobatics. Help with pyrotechnics! As Scriv is firing off into the air some pyrotechnics from the wand, you are juggling, you're twirling. The dance is actually rather impressive considering Akiva doesn't dance much that you've seen. There's one point where as he's starting to hurl his kopesh up into the air, pyrotechnics go off. Akiva, you grab the blade by accident but you're able to kind of like drop it at the same time catch it you do take uh, a point of damage but you catch it and then do a quick flourish of swipes and swings and toss it again and catch it in your other hand quickly in order to hide that fact (laughs) okay and then it ends can i shoot off uh, an eldritch blast without it actually hitting anybody like just straight up into the air so technically no but for the sake of flavor, you can fire two shots into the air. Cool. So uh, make two attack rolls. So that's 21. And 16. Is that the end of your show? That is the end. And with the end, it will the last firework. This is all going on. It's, a, it's an impressive performance. Lots of coins get thrown up on stage. I'm assuming you go to collect them. Afterwards, yes. <laughs> you do uh, get the equivalent, once you add it all up together, of eight gold pieces. That's a pretty good yeah, show, man. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. Scriv. Yes. While you're firing the pyrotechnics in the air, and this might have distracted you a brief moment, and also distracted Akiva, and when he caught the blade and all that, you hear a very soft voice, a very familiar voice, right behind you. What? And just small little arms wrap around your waist. In the middle of the show? One of the fireworks gets slightly off center, but you, you're holding it. So good to see you again. Orlay, is the show done? No, no, it's still middle of the show. Must keep helping. She goes, I know, I know, you're busy. Tell you what, tomorrow, here, you feel like a piece of paper slip into one of your pockets. That's where I'm staying. I gotta go. Bye. Bye. Hug and then run. Okay. I'm standing right there, by the way, and I'm like, that was weird. 
You notice, Belinda, a halfling woman, cropped, curled brown hair, golden eyes, kind of pale-skinned. She hugs Grave. You notice she's actually pretty dusty-looking, like she doesn't wash her clothes that often, but she scurries off very quickly. I'll just telepathically say to Grave, wow, she's a hugger! Keep helping. Valen, you would have noticed this too. Oh, I'm being very polite about not saying anything. So, performance ends. Take a bow. Question, does Akiva have fans? Do people wait after the show to say hello? Do they want his autographs on their flyers? Like, what's happening? I want to know. (laughs) Oh, yeah. There's people who have the flyers. and like, can you sign my flyers so I can say I saw you in person? Yeah, sure. And I'll sign and sign and sign and sign and sign. Is it different every single time? Because I don't think you're used to signing your name. (laughs) Signing is him just writing it. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's right. He writes. It's, it's literally just printing Akiva Kanchu. Akiva Kanchu. Did Salvador leave Tony? He's hanging around another minute, just kind of looking. Basically, he's looking at you like, wants to see if you want to talk. I'll briefly talk to him and just say, we're making progress. Nods. I assume likewise. Whenever you have the items, the faster you have them, the faster you get your information. That's the deal, right? Yep. Nothing's changed. I'd like it soon, though. Likewise. All right. And he turns and walks away. Then I'll go and see how everybody else is doing. I'll help you gather up your, your pile of Scrooge McDuck money. I assume it's in lots of small coins. How many charges are left in the Wanda Pyrotechnics? All seven should be used. <laughs> Akiva would have ta- told you exactly which seven times to fire the wand. One of those shots almost hit one of the buildings, but... I was in complete control the whole time. It was for the audience. It's okay. It all worked out. It was nice to see you perform. After all the talk. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I haven't had much time to practice while we were on the road. I am uh, going to roll to hug. What? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> can I actually try to hug him back as hard as I can? Both of you roll athletics. A 21 for Valen and an 18 for Akiva. I hope our bromance is <laughs> entertaining to everyone around. As a shockwave echoes out from this oh. hug. <laughs> Scriv, that was excellent work on the fireworks. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Akiva. Scriv, do you have an appointment? Tomorrow. And then I pull out the piece of paper to read where the location is. It's in the Low Hills District. It's an address there. I'll hold your money. Just silent eyebrow raise. I guess we can talk about this later. We haven't heard anything from Kenneth Archian yet, right? Well, when you get back to your apartment, Belinda. Yes? You walk in as... Henrietta looks a little bit annoyed and uncomfortable talking to your half-dwarven. Oh, man. This is like oil and water. I mean, when I went out and learned all... Ah! Belinda! Scriv, Akiva, a pleasure to see you all again. I believe we need to talk. And this is Valen Blackwater. Valen, you see a short half-dwarf, wavy white hair with blue tips shaved on both sides of his head and gray eyes, smooth golden skin, and a very long mustache. And you notice three tattoos on his person. One kind of like on the back of his neck, one on his right hand, kind of an abstract tattoo, and the other is what you see what looks like a unicorn on his neck. Any of those mean anything to me on initial observance? No, not particularly. The one on the back of his neck is writing, but I don't believe you speak Draconic. No, I do not. Hi, Kenathar. What brings you to my friend's shop? Well, I heard 
that amongst you, you have a semi-finalist in the Cataclysm tournament. Is that true? Yes. Scriv, I'm impressed. Semi-finalist. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking for the real finalist, though, I mean, you should talk to Roland. Oh, please. I've uh, I've played Roland before. Uh, I did not do so well. I would love to play you sometime, though. Oh, okay. That would be fun. Do you have time tomorrow morning? Yeah, that would be good. It's just I have an appointment and... Just a game. We'll play, and I'll let you go about your business. That's all I just wanted to... I like to dabble every so often, and I really like games, and oh my gosh, Cataclysm is one of my favorites. Yeah, no, Cataclysm's the best. Uh, just the amount of strategy and history involved in the game, and... Ah, putting your mind against another's my favorite thing to do. But we do have a quick discussion we need to have first, and that's mainly why I was here. You were holding on to something for me. Not you in particular, just you all in general. I was talking with our friends, and he mentioned you were just holding on to it for me. Uh, I believe we were holding something for Zolas? Yes, and he wanted me to come retrieve it. Okay. Did you want to talk more privately? I mean, I don't want to... Th- um, and he turns like, Henrietta, you have been absolute pleasure. And she just like... Henrietta, thank you for entertaining our honored visitor. Yes, no problem. Good night. I, I guess we'll uh, see you tomorrow. She goes into the back, her back room, which is where she... Yeah. She's like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Closes the door very quickly. So, yes... You want me to just hand it over to you? I mean, it's part of the information, wasn't it? Is it? I don't think so. I feel I would like, like to take a measure of him. He seems suddenly very driven to get this. This feels very suspicious. You know, just while we're talking about people being suspicious, I'm just going to make sure. You're going to ping him? He's probably not anything that I'm going to detect, but... You don't sense any fiendish presence. Or any of those other things on there. I'm going to use my view aura ability, Tony. Hit point total? 44. Is he under any magical or psionic effects? Uh, no. What's his basic emotional state besides sketchy? But that's more our perception. Determined. Okay. That's all I got. I know, Mike, you're doing scripts thing. You're rolling insight? Yes. 25. Studying him, he seems a little bit annoyed, but he's come here determined. It definitely seems based off of that. There's... No hostile intent on him. It's just a bit of annoyance and determination. Quick telepathic conversation. Can we do that, Tony? Yeah. I don't want to give it to him. Ditto. Okay. So we really weren't hired to hand over any items. You were hired to get information and approve of the information and anything he might have. Now, this thing is, you know, part of the information that he has. I know it's an item. But this was the thing, apparently, of the whole reason he was coming to Orenthal. And yet, Zolas did not ask me to hand it over to you when he met with you. More to the point, you don't know what it is. How blatant do you want me to be? I usually, you know, ah, I don't like flat out stating. I mean, we're a pretty private company here, so full cards on the table. I mean, you never know who's watching. There are eyes everywhere. Okay. Okay, we need... The Amulet of Tenebris. How about that? Uh-huh. What are you offering? This was not what we were hired to do. This was the reason that Zolas was coming here. Because we're really only willing to hand it to Zolas. You're not offering to have us meet with Zolas to give it to him. You're saying we should just hand it to you. He's rubbing his eyes. So you want me to go back, get Zolas, and bring him all the way over here? Yes. Or we could go to Zolas. I'd be willing to compromise on that point, yeah. 
I wouldn't have an issue going to Zolus. Or we can pick any neutral area outside of town. No, not outside. Okay. Roll uh, persuasion with advantage. Belinda. I got two natural 20s <laughs> for a total of 26. I don't think you have the power here in this conversation. We go right now. That's okay. fine. I grab my equipment. I'm fine going right now. Okay, okay. I guess we go. Where are we going? This stays between us. Where we're going. We're very discreet. He's looking at everyone. I don't want to hear this in relation to any of you. As long as you all agree, we're going to see the Nathandams. <gasps> Who are these people? The Nathandams are the fourth most noble house of all of Orenthal. Oh, right. Isn't Zolus's people? No. Valen, you recognize the name Nathandam. Belinda, you do as well. Nathandam is the last name of the royal cleric. <laughs> so we're going to the Nathandams. Cool. Uh, so you see, he actually like pulls out of his bag a cloak that he wraps around himself and pulls it over his head. Yes, follow me. As he leads you off towards the regent seats in the middle of the night. Would you like your cloak of many fashions back? Yeah, will you defeather it? Yes. Okay, I'll put it back on. And he leads you very discreetly, especially for what you know of him, through towards the regent seat as you make your way to Nathandam Manor. Nathandam's last name was? It's Darvin Nathandam. Gotcha. Do I know anything about Darvin Nathandam? You can attempt a history check. Did you need a check from me, Tony? You and Valen both rolled previously on him, which after Scriv's roll, I'll mention something else you guys know about him, but... 23. You have heard of Darvin Nathandam. Your father's probably mentioned him a few times. He's fairly young. He's in his uh, mid to late 30s. Has only been royal cleric for a few years. Grew up in the temple to Karis, the Rose and Gold Temple. Uh, that's why, Valen, you know him a little bit. He was like a teenager while you were there. What kind of teenager was he when Valen that's was there? Yeah. He was a little bit of a troublemaker at the time. Nothing ever terrible, but like... That firebrand Nathandon. Definitely had a chip on his shoulder, which was usually attributed to the fact that he's from a noble family. Was he like super privileged and like obnoxious? Yeah. Oh, he's a brat. He was a brat. And from what I know about uh, the Rose and Gold, that doesn't go well because they're just like, here's your potato sack. <laughs> Armand had no tolerance for that. So it's very likely he's no longer a brat because it's been 20 years or so. You also know that his official title is the Dawn Herald. All right, you begin to make your way towards the Regent Seat District. As you are quickly allowed in, thanks to Canathar's influence, you enter into the large adamantine and mithril barred gates. It's in the dark of night, right? Yeah, it's not like midnight, but it's like... Sunset, it's dark out. And this is like the big crown jewel of the city. It's big, ostentatious... This is the noble district. How much is all of this stuff worth? I don't think there's a numeric value you could really put on a giant adamantine palace. This place is shiny. Like, everything's kind of interconnected, more or less, to the adamantine palace once you get past the main wall. With, like, large estates, more or less. But they're essentially wings of the adamantine palace. With large gardens and all of that that encircle the area. You do notice, again, the lone black stone wizard tower that is a ways off in the distance. 
So I will kind of lean over to Belinda and whisper, I'm guessing the rule is don't touch anything while here. Yes, don't touch anything. Don't make too much eye contact. You can sort of just generally soak it in, but we don't want anyone to really remember we were here. Gotcha. Not like there's a lot of people around anyway at this hour. There are guards all over the place. But beyond guards and just kind of like eyeing you, you're not stopped. I haven't been here much lately, but I've been a few times. I forget how kind of overwhelming it all is. It's impressive. Even actually at one point, Scriv and Valen, you both notice kind of, there's a lot of guards around. Belinda, you already are aware of this, but you also notice kind of what appears to be like a metallic humanoid. And you can kind of, uh, particularly hear what sounds like gears turning as it is patrolling. It's a ways off from you, but you notice it moving about by one of the, the walls of the Adamantine Palace. I've never seen anything like that, have I? Oh, I guess you guys haven't seen. This is sort of new technology they're using to kind of help, you know, automate some of the protection of the palace. I kind of forgot about that. Automated guards. How does it know friend from foe? How does it know right from wrong? How does it make choices? You know, that'd be a great question for an artificer. Because uh, I don't know, actually. It's, it's kind of outside of my area, but they've gotten pretty sophisticated, I think. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know how you could possibly trust it. Canathar kind of pipes up a bit. Has nothing to do with trust. It's controlled. It's always controlled. To a degree. There is a person involved, though, right? I think... We definitely could ask some follow-up questions if you guys are interested in learning more. I kind of nod over to Kanathar. If there's an artificer, I guess, someone I could talk to, that would be nice. But I understand if you're, uh... Right now's not really the time for that. Perhaps tomorrow. We could talk about it over the game. Kind of pauses. Yeah, I suppose we can talk about it over the game a bit. Just gonna lean over to Akiva. Whisper. He's making friends. I'm very, very proud of him. I know. He's socializing. I'm nervously smiling, just trying to smooth things over. I know he's probably not happy with us at all. Akiva, you're rubbing off on him. He's finally learning how to socialize. I'm good. Go back to staring at the walls made of money. I'm going to be like, you guys, you know Scriv could totally hear everything you're saying, right? He's very perceptive. I don't really believe in varnishing the truth. Just want to make sure. What are you talking about? I'm being so sneaky with my hand over my mouth partially. You've got your hand facing me, not him. Darn it. Sorry, Scrib, you know they mean well. Yeah, but we're here to do a job. Yes, and look how well we're doing. Yeah. Thank you, Kanathar, for taking us, you know, straight to see Nathandum. He's not looking back at you as you say that. He is just walking. He is ignoring your comment. I don't try to smooth it over. I just let it hang in the air awkwardly. I wonder if Zolus is okay being back in this sort of environment. I know he doesn't want to stay here forever, but we had a good talk, and I think he knows what his path forward is. Yeah, just has to be, you know, awkward. Maybe you'll get to ask him yourself. I'm sure you will. We're here. And he uh, is arriving at these large metal doors. You see several different images of religious iconography on it, uh, various deities kind of carved into the door, and above which you see what is the family crest of the Nathandom, a shield with a sun in its center. As Canathar knocks on the door, you pause for a moment, and it is slowly opened by an older human woman, long, straight white hair, kind of greenish eyes, very pale. What is this concerning? We're here to speak to 
the Dawn Herald. We have business. He should know Kanathar. One moment. And slowly closes the door. While we're waiting, there's religious iconography, right? Yep. Does it remind me of the Dwarven Ruin? It's not exactly like the lowest level, but you see some of the symbolism of Yadumin and Vladir, particularly as two of the symbols on the doorway. Question, Tony, is some of this newer, like it was done maybe in recent decades rather than centuries? Yeah. Okay. One of the more recent ones is the symbol to Karis. That's more prominent. It looks like they either redid it or cleaned it up. Like maybe he's showing favoritism. It's also at one of the highest positions on the door. <laughs> Where's Zadar on this hierarchy? Looking around, you notice the symbol of the scroll kind of off to uh, the right-hand side about shoulder height. Where's Nezalim? Towards the bottom left, by about the knee. There are also only good or neutral aligned deities here. There are no evil deities being represented on the door. Like that one dwarven god with the uh, crossbow bolt? Yoldanim, no. He is not here. Nor do you see Archon or Oruxus or anything like that. I understand it. I, I kind of don't like it. It kind of feels like religious whitewashing. That's the point. I just look over Belinda. Is this going back to your view on Cataclysm just being a propaganda game? Well, nothing is just one thing, but in a sense, presenting an image that's been carefully curated for a potential audience is something that I think makes sense. Kanathar, do you agree with that? You seem to have expertise with dealing with audiences. I mean, everything's for show. What you display is just what people will see. If you really want to dig deeper, you can. They just don't like it here. In Orenthal. Anywhere. No one likes digging too deep into their lives and what they believe, necessarily. Makes people uncomfortable. Heaven forbid anyone be awkward. Oh, you wouldn't want that. Not at all. I'm going to reach out telepathically to Scriv. Do you want to ask this cleric about the prophecy? I don't think it can hurt, and it might help. He's probably in contact with the Staff Federation, right? I would assume so. Then that means we could probably double-check with Doc's stuff, too. Yeah, I think so. You want to take the lead on that? Sure. Okay. After several minutes, the door opens back up, and you see the older woman standing there. Please, um, you may enter. Follow me. And waits for you all to get inside. Inside, you see even more what looks like books and paintings and other such imagery of the gods. As the older woman closes the door, she begins to lead the way down several different hallways across through different rooms. You see all of this iconography. Did Kenethar come with us or did he remain behind? He's still there. Okay. As you're walking, Scriv, you recognize one or two of the artifacts here. Like he has a personal collection? Like this is a private collection. And you know that a couple of these are definitely like a symbol to Yadamine from Silverkeep. Do I recall any specific details about them? Namely, were they powerful artifacts or is it just a show of power? They're not powerful in any way. They have a pretty high monetary value, but they don't have a huge historical significance to them. I strongly disagree with this place. You see me tense up, very obviously. I'm gonna look around. Can I kind of get the vibe and figure out what's going on with Scrib without directly confronting him? Yeah. So I'm gonna ask the woman, sorry, I don't think we caught your name? I am Amelia Reddingham. Well, it's nice to meet you, Amelia. Is this all part of the fandom's private collection? 
the Nathandom household, yes. Particularly Fabian Nathandom, Lord Nathandom. And are you the curator of this collection, or is it just a personal collection that they monitor? I don't take care of any of these pieces. I simply take care of the Nathandoms. Does anyone take care of these pieces? Many do. They hire several different people, sometimes from the Temple of Adar. They've asked for advice on how to care for them. It just seems a shame that these things are locked away where more visitors can't see them. I believe this is why they are put in the entranceway to the Nathandom Wing. Do many people get to come through here? There are many visitors that come and see the Dawn Herald. But they're probably nobles and important people. No response. She's still just walking. And there's nobody who's here to explain the historical significance, the place where they're from, the stories they tell, the culture. Just slowly getting more and more worked up and more focused on it. Okay, I'm gonna put an arm around Scriv. Hey, buddy. Even I can tell we don't want to make enemies of these guys. I know this is wrong. Let's just dial it back a little bit. This patriarch just rolled up somewhere and bought bits of history. Is there anything we can do about it? I'm going to telepathically reach out to Scrib. Let's not judge until we know the full story. Perhaps the temple really needed that money, and this is a temporary solution. Things have not been good at the Temple of Adar, so maybe they have had to make hard choices in order to better serve people, so they've sacrificed some things that have less value for now. I will nod slowly. I will pat Akiva on the arm. Tony, I would like to keep a running count of the estimated worth of every single artifact I come across. I would also like to note the number of guards and any potential entry and exit points that I may use to retrieve these artifacts at a later time. You're rolling two checks for me on this. One intelligence check for the sake of remembering the total value of everything in here. 19. And then roll a perception check for me. 15. You're fairly confident you've got... If not exact, a very close estimate of the total uh, value of the artifacts. It's a lot of platinum. They had to line the castle somehow. So perception, you're looking around, you're taking a note of the guards, you're taking a note of where things are, the path you're going down to try and remember just overall what the layout of everything is. But eventually you arrive at what appears to be a large dining room. You see a extremely long table, probably about 40 feet in length, that stretches all the way across. And you see at the very far end of the table, two figures seated side by side. One of them is a human man, late 30s, gray eyes, pale skin, light brown hair. He's wearing fairly simple yet clearly well-tailored robes bearing the symbol of a sunrise uh, on the chest. As you enter, he does stand, and you notice, though his robes kind of hide most of his uh, physique, he definitely seems to be of a rather slight build, and is standing just over about five and a half feet tall. Beside him is Zolus, though not dressed in any way that you've ever seen him before. Instead of his usual kind of baggy, well-worn clothes and his very favorite crocodile skin jacket, he is dressed in extremely finely designed jacket, pants of varying blues and golds. He is also the most clean-shaven you have ever seen him, with his hair slicked back and well put together. He stands as well, and he looks, upon seeing you, 
a little uncomfortable too. Just like kind of that whole impression, like I don't want you to see me like this. <laughs> Solus, you clean up well. Thanks. Not really a fan of these clothes. My apologies, Darvin. These are my companions on the road that brought me from Amaran. Belinda, Akiva, Valen, and Scriv. <laughs> it just sounds so dejected. Is it because he also does he see like Scriv's demeanor right now when he gets to and Scriv? Because I'm sure Scriv looks so chill. Scriv's not even looking at anyone. He's just looking at a wall because there's a painting hanging there. Yeah, I'm not paying attention to the cleric. Just looking around. You said there was a long table. Is there anything on it? There's some food over by Darvin and, and Zolus. But there is a centerpiece that is kind of like this pedestal that contains what looks like a rising sun. The rising sun is made of glass and has a slight glow to it. Which is more ostentatious iconography favoring Karis above all other deities. Kanathar kind of scurries over to Darvin and just whispers something in his ear and just, that's fine, Kanathar, I don't... Yes, go, go. If you want, wait in the entranceway so you can escort them out. Just nods and he says, oh, good luck to Darvin before walking out. At this point, Amelia kind of, Don Harold, would you like me to bring food for your guests? He kind of looks a bit uncomfortable for a second. Just, yes, Amelia, please. What would you like? I'm having mostly pork right now, but. I think whatever you're having would be fine with us. Just light portions. We obviously were here unannounced. No need to be rude. Water is fine for me. Very well. Please. He kind of gestures like to the seats generally around him. Like, sit. Can I ask you a quick protocol question? Yes. Should we refer to you as the Don Herald at all times? I'm not hosting. I'm not just... I'm Darvin Nathandam. A, a pleasure to meet all of you. Thank you for, for bringing Oliver back here. Oh, Zolus. Head bows a little bit more. <laughs> Oliver. Uh, Oliver Ashglade, of course, you know. That snaps me out of my stupor for a bit, and I just turn to Zolus with a single raised eyebrow. It's all right, Zolus. I understand having to have a working moniker. When your family is the third most powerful in all of Orenthal, and you kind of want to distance yourself from them, better not to go by your given name. I mean, your name's not Zolus. It is Zolus, because I've chosen to go by the name Zolus. Scriv wishes to lock eyes with Zolus and just give a solid nod in solidarity. So it's good to see you again after all these years, Darvin. Yes. Valen. Valen, you were at the Temple of Karis, the Rose and Gold. Absolutely. Oh, gosh, that was 20... 20 plus years ago? I don't keep track exactly. 20 plus is fine. Yeah. You've come a long way. He kind of looks down at his robes. Yeah, it's been a rather interesting journey. Nepotism definitely has something to do with it. Well, that's the city, so... You're not wrong. So, I assume you are here because Kanathar was mentioning you would not give him the artifact. Yeah, I'll be forthright. He kind of implied that we had not done our work properly, and I begged to differ, and I think we all agreed that we only would hand over this artifact to Zolus. I'll be slightly more forthright. He, he seems a little shifty. Yeah, he was super shady when asking for the thing. I don't begrudge him that at all. Oh, no, no. It seems to be his job to be the one that is shifty. Yes. I have nothing against him personally. He seems like a wonderfully polite individual. We had to deal with the shape changer before. That's enough. Yes. Uh, Zolus was telling me a bit about that, and 
I guess I also owe you uh, a debt of thanks. You saved his life in that exchange. Are you guys friends? We grew up together for several years. Zolas, you hadn't mentioned that at all. I didn't mention much about my life in Orenthal, did I? That's true. And politely, we did not ask. He looks over to Zolas. Zolas, is it alright with you if your friends actually give me the amulet now, and that way I can use it to deal with Tenebris? So, Darvin. Yes. As much as I value Zolas' opinion on this matter, sorry, Zolas, you seem very uncertain, and having held this amulet for some time, I am hesitant to hand it over to someone who doesn't seem prepared to have it in their possession. He looks up towards the guards that are still in the room and just gestures them away. He waits another few minutes, and Amelia does return with your plates of food, brings them to you, pours the water, puts a pitcher of ale and wine on the table. For any who would want. Amelia, was it? Thank you. Of course. Don Harold, anything else you require? And she just kind of looks over all of you really quickly. No, you may leave us. And she just nods and bows and walks away. Looks back a brief second and hesitates before closing the door as she leaves. My apologies if I seem a little more uncertain. I definitely am not. I intend to deal with Tenebris and this amulet as swiftly and decisively as possible. I'm not usually allowed to leave the confines of the Regent's seat very often, which is why I use go-betweens like Canathar, who tend to be able to get jobs done, but Belinda, was it? Walsingham, yes. Ah, your mother is a great asset to the Vermeer Empire. Yes, she is. She's she's an inspiration to us all. Indeed. She's done amazing work for Orenthal itself and done a fantastic job moving up through the ranks. Super scary lady. Not in the slightest. She's actually rather pleasant and gets the job done and is an extremely devout person of the Empire. She just gets her job done. In a sense, it's not what we all want to do, whatever our job may be. Exactly. Which is why, if assuming Zolas trusts me enough at this point, and Zola's like, yeah, he's he's all right. He's trying to do the right thing. I could do my telepathic ping to the party and Zolas. I'm okay to hand it over since this is what we had said we needed. Is everyone okay with me handing it over? Yeah. Sure. Zolas, do you know what he's planning on doing with the amulet? Because if he's going to hang it along with everything else as a new He's trophy, planning to kill Tenebris with it. Just gonna stare openly? I for one could not support this plan more. Well, then if you're okay with it, Scrib and Zolas, I'll hand it over to him. Okay, yeah, if he can kill him. Zolas nods. I take out the amulet, and I will hand it to him saying, I hope you're okay with nightmares. I'm... I'm sorry, visions? Is that what we were calling it, Zolas? Whatever you wanted to call it, nightmares, visions, all the above. I drank a lot because of it, so... I thought that was just your normal way of handling everything. I assumed it was the piracy. Well, that was just for fun. He takes the amulet and is like, huh, that has a very interesting feel to it. Well, I guess I will get used to the nightmares then, and he pockets it in his robe. Sorry, just to clarify, it it is the same one, over and over again. Zolas was telling me of a a vision he had from it. I'm assuming that's what you're talking about? Expect that every night. It's like, alright, so, I'm assuming you didn't want to just come see me for the sake of trust in Zolas? Is there any other thing I can help you with? There are two other pending issues I would like your input on. Very well. I'll help if I can. One of them involves a prophecy that we received from an unknown source. He takes a deep breath and kind of looks a little, like, tired almost, but... Relating directly to this amulet. Okay. I will pull out my note 
with the actual prophecy, an old loss awakens an unspoken end. Undead rise as ancient love is rediscovered. A hero's loss will break the chains, and a broken heart will bring about the dawn of evil. Beware the day the sun goes dark as it signals the return of that which even the gods fear. Professor of Divination over in Amaran gave this to us. Horjan. Yes. Yes. He didn't have any answers. We've been doing some research, and we have been unsuccessful in finding any details regarding it. I'm not too surprised. I've only heard the term Dawn of Evil once. As the Dawn Herald, I would expect Dawn to be an area of your expertise. Hence why I've only heard it once. In one of the documents I read at some point, the Dawn of Evil, if I recall correctly, signifies, or is in relation to the birth of Archon, the Archon as he is now. But the Dawn of Evil isn't about that time, it refers to some sort of entity, some ancient battle the gods all fought and in the process archon was nearly beaten bloodied and destroyed but survived somehow and went on to utter insanity and tried to wipe out everything wait quick cosmology question i thought like archon was the one that made a deal after locking up all the other bad gods it was a ruxus he's the lawful evil one who made the deal with everyone used Karis' power to lock up Archon in the Abyss and seal it. Yes, that's the event that occurred after this dawn of evil. Archon went insane, tried, and somehow had enough power to go toe-to-toe with most of the other gods. Aruxus then used his power and, well, I say his, but Karis's, ripped it from him and bound Archon using that power. Which, and he gestures towards Uvalin, gave birth to Eshenai. So, that's one step closer to, well, something at least. You see him close his eyes for a moment. If I recall, the terminology was essentially the dawn of evil refers to this entity, the one that all the gods faced. Which would be something that its return would be something that the gods fear. Possibly. Does it make Tenebris seem like small potatoes? Tenebris is an issue I still wish to deal with. Of course, I'm not saying we simply leave that be, but... This dawn of evil, like I said, I don't know much on it. It's a very vague term, and it, of course, all signals show it to, to be the moment in which Archon was Archon. I will say I'm surprised in one sense that you know anything because we've done some research and come up completely empty, as if all resources on this topic are unavailable. The rumor has it that this dawn of evil, this entity, is a being that the quote I recall reading is... The gods don't even wish to whisper its name for fear of drawing its attention. So there is a name, but it's not documented well because of the danger of simply the name's power? They fear that saying the name of this entity could draw its focus and attention. I have read tomes, ancient ones, that have been passed through this this house. Mild bit of teeth grinding that he's controlling information. Based off your passive insight, Scriv... There's a little shame there. I feel a little bad for being upset. Part of the reason for this amulet that I was looking for is undead have been on the rise. I'm sure you've heard of this in the southern borders of the Vremer Empire. Yes. How much activity? I don't think people have been terribly concerned. It's been quelled. Small occurrences here and there around graveyards and such, but it's been increasing. More so than most people realize, and 
we don't want to start a panic. Valen, are you concerned? I know you're you're from the south, right? Yeah, and we don't exactly have a large standing garrison anywhere in the Badlands that's going to keep undead at bay, especially given that there's uh, more than a few bodies lying in the sand. It's true. That could just rise at any moment. I'm definitely going to have to reach out, see if anyone needs anything. Well, killing Tenebris could stop this. I believe that Tenebris' followers are trying to raise an army. If the vision that Zolas told me is correct, that's exactly what he was attempting to do to strike against the Vremer Empire. If I could ask you a very direct and personal question. Yes. So far, we've talked about logic information that we have available from tomes and what we've experienced. You have a direct connection to your deity, which is something many of us don't have right now. What have you learned? I've learned the deities aren't answering back. Is that including yours? I have tried my normal divination spells. I've tried to commune. I've tried to contact the other planes. I still receive power. There is still a feel, but direct communication and the direct responses aren't happening. I suppose I made an assumption that you had some sort of connection the rest of us lacked right now as the head cleric. I have all of the powers I had before a year ago. I've tried communing. I have tried augury. I've tried divination. I've tried commune and I get unclear every time. I'm kind of surprised you're telling us because this is the sort of information that could cause a panic if it got out. Yes, it could. It won't. Not from us, obviously. I've already spoken to Zolas a bit about the four of you, so... I'll turn to Zolas. I'm really surprised you vouched for us after all that time we traveled together. You've seen a lot. He taps his stab wound. I'm still alive. That's true. You were preparing for death. (laughs) And that is where we're going to leave this episode for today. Thank you for listening. Please share this with your friends and follow us on Twitter at Rules as Written, or check out our website, dndraw.com, and feel free to email any questions to our dungeon master at dm at dndraw.com. Please subscribe and consider leaving us a review or comment anywhere podcasts are found. And last but not least, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash dndraw. We'll see you next episode. Music